السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله ريمان how's how's your life been since last week Alhamdulillah, life um, since last week. So last week I was in Brighton, this week I'm in Manchester. Um, unfortunately, on Thursday, my uncle, who's you know, quite young, he's 41 years old, um, he was taken into ICU. Um, not COVID, it was like other things. He had like um, kidney failure, heart failure, and you know, a few other things. And he had like a fluid overload in his body, so he had loads of, loads of fluid. And subhanAllah, last week we were speaking to the ITU specialist, Dr. Ramadi, and I had all those questions and things fresh in my mind and that discussion fresh in my mind while, while this was happening. But, um, you know, I came down to Manchester and, um, you know, immediately, obviously, you're going to think the worst. But Alhamdulillah, you know, it's been a few days and he seems that he's getting a bit better. But it's going to be a long kind of, a long game. So we're just going to have to wait a bit to see how he does, I suppose. But yeah, he's a very young guy. He's 41 years old. Um, he's got young children as well. And, you know, just a year ago, he ha- like he was running his own business. He's always been on his feet, you know, one of those types of guys. Ex- quite an extroverted person. He knows a lot of people. And, how, was um, his, how, how was his health before, before this? Incident? So he had diabetes, but, you know, and obviously he's a guy as well. So he's a bit, I don't know, he's maybe not the best person to control his diabetes. Although he, he used to, I think... You know, try to limit himself with food sometimes and, you know, sugary things. But even then, how much can you do? And especially with men, it's difficult, you know, when you run your own business and you're just, you know, nibbling on things and blah, blah, blah. So it's just all of these things. But, yeah, I mean, it just shows. I think it was it's a, it's a real uh, eye-opener for me as well. And I suppose, you know, we learn from kind of other people and the people around us. And it's an eye-opener for me how, you know, I think, you know, I'm in good health now. And I, you know, I can study, I can work and do all these things. But, you know, with Allah can, you know, change that instantaneously. And you can be in a state where, you know, you are, you're bedridden. You've got, you know, all these problems and things happening. Yeah, life is, life is fragile. Yeah. Um, and I think um, one of the things which I kind of um, try and definitely point out when one of these things happens to somebody is the growth as well like for example you're speaking about this experience which you just had and it kind of reminded you of your own mortality um, and I think every time we have like a painful experience every every, every time we're tested in a strong way um, I think then um, it kind of it always gives an, a, a lot of avenues for growth as well for example you have like someone passes away then for growth you have to like exercise patience and kind of um, be able to comfort other people but there's always those elements of, of growth there which I think um, um, you know it gives meaning to the pain I guess yeah I suppose you know there's always things you can learn from unfortunate circumstances so you can always th- take things take good things out of unfortunate circumstances and I think that's the way that the message is allowed and described you know, the state, the affairs of the believer. said, How strange and how, you know, how amazing is the affairs of a believer? Because whatever state they're in, they're in a good state. And he qualified that by saying that if they're in a difficult state, then, you know, 
they turn back to Allah and you know they're reminded you know what you know that they have they can turn back to Allah um, they do sabr right and they have they exercise patience and when they're in a good state they do shukr so they are in, in gratitude so you know both ways they are going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's a hadith of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa an authentic hadith so gratitude yeah. and patience sorry I, I, I missed the last bit Oh, um, so gratitude and, and patience, as in if you have um, something good coming your way, then the, there's a reminder to actually be grateful and notice it. And even if something bad happens, then it's a reminder to actually exercise patience and, you know, um, resilience. You know. Definitely. And this kind of binary state of a believer. So you're either in one of the two. You're either in gratitude or you're either in patience. I think this is kind of a key message. Oh, okay. For, for the believers, you know, you're either in one of the two. Either it's good times, either it's bad times. And you know, the human beings, we do have good times, and it's important that we have the gratitude element. And we do obviously go through uh, downs, and we have our ups and downs, and we have this kind of element to this. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, you know, we need to kind of balance. How was your week? Sorry to start off with doom and gloom. You know, we, we have some, you know, sad, sad circumstances, but inshallah, we have hope. And, you know, with hope, like Dr. Amali said last week, subhanAllah, such an amazing conversation. I was just telling Habib just before we started that it was so fruitful and we had so much more to say and I gained so much. And, you know, I know loads of people watched last week's discussion and everyone was like messaging saying how, uh, how much of an amazing insight it was to have like, you know, those coping mechanisms, highs and lows. It really shows the humanity of someone who is otherwise seen as sort of robotic. Because you see a doctor and, you know, someone in, in ITU and take intensive care as, you know, now obviously they're wearing the, the hazmat suits and the robotic kind of suits. Now they look like it. But otherwise you think, you know, they're kind of inhuman because they deal with so much and, you know, they're desensitized to it. But as Dr. Amelie said last week, his, you know, his sensitivity is ever continuing, you know, and he, he said, you know, he twisted the question and he said, we're more sensitive. You know, it reminds you more of death and that certain things do affect him. It really shows the humanity. So I was really, you know, I was really grateful to have had that discussion last week. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, Brother Ian is saying the fragility. So again, you know, that discussion on death and um, people busy life. Um, that reminder that death gives us, um, you know, that gives, even if you're an IT you consultant or just you're living life, even COVID, it just gives you that reminder of that fragility. Uh, Ian says it reminds me of the mercy of Allah. Um, so the fragility of life reminds of the mercy of Allah. So I guess like if we weren't able to do just one of the many functions of our body, maybe like breathing or if the heart, I don't know, man, you're the medical, you can give the examples. But even if from, one, from the many functions of our body, even if one of them stops, like um, your life can be over. Uh, fragility of life so the mercy of Allah is always there for every one of them to be to be <clears> running to be um, like there's so much mercy of Allah going on for us to survive basically mm. like a butterfly in the wind he says um, it's like that um, the kind of statement al-imanu bayna al-khawfi wal-raja that belief is being in between a state of fear and a state of hope so we're always in, you know, we're in kind of a fear. You know, when people translate fear, fear is, fear is a bad thing. You're scared of him. But fear for a believer is the fear of awe. 
that you know you're you're embarrassed by his majesty to even do something that's wrong so you know you're not scared you're not scared oh yeah i'm scared because he's going to punish me but i'm scared to kind of disappoint him you know where you feel that 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 awe that you know and this is you know when you have true understanding of who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is which is every believer's aspiration I mean, if we probably... I, so I would say, so for example, if we're going to link this up a bit, so I would say sugar, the gratitude would kind of lead towards, um, what was the two things? Lead, lead towards hope, lead, to, yeah. lead towards raja. Um, and the other one was sabr. Sabr and khawf kind of come a little bit together. When, you know, sabr is kind of needed when something bad happens, which kind of shocks us, scares us. Uh, and to deal with that, I guess... Um, patience is required that the ability to stay stay firm patience and resilience yeah it, it gives you that re resilience you know and i think you know the ability kind of the push to do kind of good and khawf like the word khafa to translate it i think i would i would rather translate it as awe in this context than than fear as it's as it's translated by many people um and another thing, in the, uh, I just remembered the hadith of, uh, or the main, it's the first hadith in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Jibreel. And the, angel, Jibreel, the hadith of Jibreel is where you had, I think my, just before I start, I think Michael's here. Michael, mashallah, you know, he's, he's a brother who took the shahada uh, when I led Jummah a few months ago. And, you know, I spoke to him a couple of days ago. So shout out to him because he and inshallah be joining our tribe now. Thinking Muslims trying it. Not hard to him, you know, he'll be probably watching this now or later. But yeah, um, and, and I think I was thinking about this because, you know, I was thinking about Michael and I was thinking about his acceptance of Islam and, you know, the reality of faith and coming to faith, being born into, into the faith of Islam as the fitrah that we call it, you know, the natural disposition and coming to Islam after having found Islam and the essence of faith and what is faith. Faith in Islam, we, we describe it as Iman or we verbalize it as the word Iman. But the word Iman, you know, when it was explained by the Prophet Sallallahu to the to the people, they knew naturally what Iman was. But the definition given, and this was the hadith I'm getting to at the moment, there was a further definition of faith giving given to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The context of this hadith was the hadith in Sahih Muslim, um, you know, it's, it's called the Hadith Jibreel, the Hadith of the Angel Gabriel. And it's a one instance, the Prophet was in Medina. So this was towards the latter part of the Messenger Wasallam's life. And he, a man approached him. And this man was not seen by the rest of the companions before this incident. They didn't recognize him. He was someone who was unfamiliar to them, a stranger. And when he came, they mentioned the, uh, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, you know, he narrates the hadith and he said, you know, Lam yura alayhi atharu safar, that, you know, the remnants of travel weren't visible upon his clothing. So when a person comes from outside the city, they would have some dust or they would have disheveled hair or something would be with their clothing. You know, they would have some element mm -hmm. of, of like dust or something on their clothing to show that they've traveled and they've come from afar. But this person didn't have this. And he described him as having stark black sort of hair and, you know, this magnificent sort of man who approached the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa And he started asking the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa questions. You know, and he would ask him questions and he would answer the questions. 
as well. So it was it was quite, you know, the Sahaba were thinking, what is this? And he came to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he sat in a way where he, and I was attempting to sit in that way, but I'm on the sofa, so it might be a bit difficult. So he sat in a way where he put his two knees like this. He was in a, a knee position. Like, how do you describe this position? The shahud position, man. Oh, yeah. The, sitting, the praying sitting position. The praying sitting position. <laughs> I believe I forgot that. Um, so you're in. He was in this position, and he had, the Prophet was in that position. And he put his knee joint right next to the knee joints of the Messenger. Join them. He joined them to to the Messenger. And he's thinking, and all the other Sahaba are thinking, who's got the guts to do that? And he asks him so many questions. And one of the questions was, you know, what is iman? You know, what is faith? He asked him, and then after that, he asked him, what is Islam? And he made a distinction between Islam and iman. That was an interesting. Point from there, and then he said a third level, which was ihsan, and that's perfection or goodness. And he was describing, you know, what this actually is. And then after that, he asked him a few questions about the day of judgment, and he answered those questions. And you know, and then he just turned up and he went. And the Sahaba was like, well, like, you know, they were baffled. They were thinking, who's got the guts to, you know, be like this to the messengers of Allah said And he. Said, that was the angel Gabriel that came in the form of a human being and he came to teach you about your religion. So there the messenger was talking, the main point of this, I was just giving the context of the hadith, but the main point was to actually describe kind of faith. And he said, Iman is that you believe in Allah, you know, the messengers. And he was kind of articulating what the, the tenets of belief were and what are the things that comprise of belief. But belief in the sense that, you know, the actual word belief, he wasn't, he wasn't kind of, maybe I'm not describing it properly, but he wasn't trying to tell you, okay, this is belief and this is belief, because belief is an action of the heart. And it's very difficult to describe this. He was telling, he was telling the people, the tenants or what, what, what we believe in. However, he wasn't talking about the nature of belief because the nature of belief is something that's experienced. And this is what, what, what got me thinking when I was thinking about Michael as well, how, you know, the experience of belief when coming, you know, and finding Islam yourself or, you know, through other avenues and kind of the belief that you have when you've grown up. And is there a difference between those two modes of belief? What do you think? When you grow up, um, it's difficult to even... I think you explained in words what the hell you're talking about. Um, but mashallah, you've, you've done a really good job. Um, yeah, but um, it's a very like subtle kind of point, uh, you know, the difference between that. Um, because a lot of, especially like people that are learning about belief, sometimes they'll be like, oh, you know, you must believe in this and the Tawheed and the Asma and the Sifat. But you're kind of saying that belief is actually uh, this kind of unique experience and it can't really be intellectualized in such simple words definitely i think you know al-iman you know the way that it was described by uh by the maturi scholars especially you know the, the hanafi scholars is iman is an act is tasdiq bil is a iqrar bil lisan it's an affirmation from the tongue and it's an acceptance of the heart but how can you articulate and explain to someone an action of the heart you have to experience it to get them get what it is and it is a form of ecstasy and then they say the next level of of iman and islam is ihsan 
you know, that you are in a state where, and this is what the hadith actually described, you know, if we go back to this hadith, and you can, uh, everyone can research the word, exact wording of this hadith, it's known as the hadith of Jibreel, and it's a famous hadith mentioned in so many books, but particularly in Sahih Muslim. So, um, in this hadith, the Messenger talked about, you know, a level of excellence, where you're worshipping Allah as if you, as if you can see him and that's that's like the pinnacle level and then the second and then you know that if if you you think that you can't kind of reach that level then the second level is that you worship allah as if you think you're thinking and you're conscious of him he can kind of see you and the worship here isn't worship in just restricted to devotional practice. Like when I pray, you know, five times a day, the Fajr, Zuhar, Asr, Maghrib, Aisha. It's not just that. It's the it's a continual act, you know, in my dealings with people, in my sort of one, my private time at home. Am I corresponding to the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set out for me? Am I giving everyone their rights that they deserve? You know, this is... This is an all right. Like they say, you know, a person who prays all day, they're not more virtuous than a person who has a family, who has a business, and they kind of, you know, run everything um, according to the laws of Allah. And this is a classical discussion, you know, in the in, in the books. Usul al-Shashi, for those who have studied, one of the first um, discussions in Usul al-Shashi is about getting married. Is that better than just doing nafal ibadah? Nafal ibadah is just you're praying all day. What's better, getting married? Yeah, I think this is kind of going into a secondary point. This point about um, like the ibadah um, extending into basically every part of your life. Um, but just before we kind of go off on that tangent, um, like the hadith says, like worship Allah as if you can see Him. So, kind of you're saying that even when um, you're doing a business dealing, or even when you're kind of at work, or even if you're studying, um, then you even you execute on that um, as it's a form of worship, um, as if Allah is watching you. So kind of extending that through to every part of our life, basically. Basically, I really um, like what Ian said as well. Can you get his comment up? Um, he's Ian said, uh, Imad, as someone who has come to Islam, you're right. My experience was nothing to do with what I should or shouldn't do or believe, but what I felt feel in the heart. And I feel like, you know, when we when we talk about miracle and we talk about this and that, it is about experience. You know, Iman is about experience. It's about your own sort of feeling. And I think without being too wishy washy, because you know, whoever. Seventeen weeks, am I correct? Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Seventeen yeah. weeks have been going strong. Sorry, you, you just broke up a little bit. Okay, uh, I was just saying that people who are part of our podcast the last seventeen weeks and have been listening to me will kind of know me know me now in the sense that I'm quite a scientific person. You know, I'm not really wishy washy, but without being too wishy washy about it, I feel like it is a personal experience for everyone. Belief would be as a form of you know personal experience, and I think that, yeah. I think this point, so the reason it's so important is actually because it's so important to believe that you can have the experience. Like for the Prophet, what he, the vision he sets 
is that you worship Allah as if you're seeing him, as if you're so aware of his being that you're able to see him, you're able to like um, what's the word man, like perceive him like actually you know, be in touch with him and if you can't do that, there's a second level but the vision the Prophet is to actually be there and I think like sometimes there's this um, it comes, it's kind of to do with beliefs but it definitely comes up when it comes to do with Islam like are you a pious person? Are you connected to Allah? Are you, uh, do you, are you somebody who concentrates in your prayer? Are you somebody who uh, does spiritual exercises to get close to Allah? Um, and if you do, then like, are they working kind of thing? And then um, when you think of it like that, because I think sometimes some people will be like, well, yeah, I do all this stuff, but this is like secret stuff. Nobody needs to know about this. And you know, it's just between me and Allah. Hopefully, hopefully you'll forgive me for being really good. But I think yeah. as opposed to that, like, when you're doing something good, you should be aware of the goodness that you're doing as well. Um, the vision the Prophet sets is to actually worship Allah as if you know, you're seeing Him, as if you're perceiving Him, which is a very high level. Like, how many of us can actually, you know, claim that we attain that? But that's the vision the Prophet sets, and I don't think, um, I think sometimes it can be not very useful um, when we limit ourselves by kind of um, saying, "Oh, I'm not that pious" or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I understand exactly what you're talking about. I think it's how they say in English. You know, you should aim for the stars. At least you'll, you know, aim for their stars. At least you'll hit something, you know, below that, you know, slightly below. You know, when you aim for the bullseye, you aim slightly higher and then you get it because, you know, you are aiming even higher. So we have lofty aspirations. And we mentioned the saying in Ulul Himmati Min Al Iman that to have these lofty aspirations is actually a part of having faith and Iman in this discussion of Iman. And, you know, um, what did you say? The last thing you said. I just lost my train of thought. I think, especially due to spirituality, people sometimes think it's not good to consider yourself pious or consider yourself oh, yeah, connected. The aspect. Now, wallahi, this is obviously, um, um, you know, me and myself and yourself, we are in a position where, you know, we're looked on as Islamic scholars, as imams, as leaders, and we're put on a pedestal. And people mm -hmm. often equate knowledge and Islamic knowledge, me being an Islamic scholar and knowing. Arabic, Hadith and languages and all these kind of things and people equate that with piety and they think piety and religiosity piety, religiosity and knowledge are the same thing however there's a clear distinction in between that you know however much knowledge you have I have my ups and downs you know I have times where I feel you know I have loads of like, questions I want to ask and you know I feel low at times in terms of my faith and there's times where I feel ecstatic with my faith you know, I'm such on, you know, a, a high, not on, not on any psychedelics or, you know, this sort of thing, but a high on sort of Iman. You know, when I see certain things that really affirm my faith and Iman, when I hear certain stories and experience things, you know, I've had, like, myself, like I said, I'm not a wishy-washy person, but, you know, I've had experiences that really kind of brought my Iman up. And I think in the Quran, I think, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't think I know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran about the increase of faith. That as for those who, uh, it's in Surah Tawbah, as for those who have belief, and he was, he was talking about the Sahaba, their iman increases with the faith they already have. So they have a new, higher level of faith as the verses of the Quran were being revealed. And this is obviously, uh, to put it in the context, you know, at the time of the Prophet, the Quran wasn't revealed completely. So they, some of the Sahaba had more things to believe in 
on the next day. Say one day, one verse wasn't revealed, and the next day, another verse was revealed. So they had one more verse to believe in, and in that sense, the iman was increased, right? And this is a whole classical discussion about iman. And um, I, I had this discussion once, uh, subhanAllah, I just remembered, I gave a talk on iman. Usually I don't um, really talk much about these sort of things. In, actually, I do. That's that's a kind of but the address the audience I was addressing was like an audience of at least a hundred doctors, right? In in the University of Chicago, the teaching hospital, they delivered Juma Juma there one day, and for some reason I don't know what. Usually I just I kind of decide my topic of Juma on the night before because of some experience I had or on the day, and for some reason I spoke about Iman because I'd met all these new people that you know the converts to islam for the first time they were really different i really loved you know the connections i made a lot of them will inshallah be listening to this podcast shout out to isa ali and unko but um so those sort of kind of experiences led me to talk about iman and i was talking about the uh the kind of increase and decrease of iman and i i, I did kind of read up on it a bit as well and what the scholars had to say about it so there is a classical discussion some scholars say uh, that Abu Hanifa rahimahullah said, Al-Imanu la yazidu wa la That Iman doesn't increase and it doesn't decrease. Imam Bukhari rahimahullah, one of the chapter headings that he has and one of the points uh, that he mentions is, Al-Imanu yazidu wa yanqusu. That Iman does increase and does decrease. So you're thinking, hey, one of the scholars are saying that Iman doesn't increase and decrease. And the other scholar is saying, hey, Iman increases and decreases. What even is this discussion about, right? And the discussion is about, you know, looking at faith in terms of experience and looking at faith in terms of tenets of belief. So the scholars who said, and it was just their way of looking at it, and they were both correct in a sense, that if you think of of Iman and faith as a light bulb, sometimes the light bulb is brighter and sometimes the light bulbs, you know, it's, it's less bright. This, but the physical dimensions of the light bulb doesn't increase, does it? It just stays as the light bulb. But the brightness increases and decreases. So in that sense, Iman will increase and decrease. But Iman wouldn't increase and decrease in the sense that, okay, today I'll believe in the first chapter of the Qur'an, and tomorrow I'll believe in the second chapter of the Qur'an. And hence my Iman has has increased because I believed in more things. So the way we enter into Islam and believe in, in the tenets of Islam is we enter in with totality. Allah says in Surah Baqarah, Ya yuhalladheena amanu dkhulu fissil nikafah. Allah says, this is a verse of the Qur'an in Surah Baqarah, that, O oh, you who believe, enter into Islam, the silm, totality, yeah, with every, you have to believe in everything when you enter. And I spoke about this before, and the opinion of the scholars, which is not that many people know about, is when you first enter into Islam, it's not as if, you know, you're burdened with, oh, zakat, you have to pay now, hajj, you didn't do, okay, all this, you know, you have to kind of do your uh, kind of hisab kitab and you have to sort all your affairs immediately. There's kind of a time period given, you know, about fasting. For example, my, one of my friends who accepted Islam a couple of years ago, uh, shout out to Adam again, because I know he probably watched this. Um, he, I remember when he first entered into Islam, it was just before Ramadan, and he doesn't really have an experience of fasting. Although he's a, quite an athletic dude and, you know, uh, mashallah, I used to have like iftar with those every day. And, you know, this was uh, when I was on in the University of Sussex campus. Every day we used to do iftar there together. Uh, sick vibes. But I, at that time, some days, you no, know, I, you know, he used to ask, you know, I find it quite difficult. It was quite a long day as well. Right. And, 
you know, some days he never used to fast, some days he used to fast. You know, he's he was building up to it. And I remember one of our friends was like, after Asad, and he, I think he had a drink of water or something. Is he not fasting? Because you don't know that he's a Muslim now and he will be accountable for every Serious. And I was thinking, huh? Like, how, like, wow. obviously, he had good intentions. And he, this brother who was saying it, you know, he's like a very good friend of mine. He didn't mean it out by looking down on him. He was genuine in the sense that he wanted to go and explain to him right now, like, I need to explain to you, wait, bro, what you're doing. Because he thought he did, like, what you're doing. You're not allowed to drink anything because, you know, now you're. But I think, yeah, I think the biggest, like, uh, summer of this is kind of like, Forget actions. The tadrij isn't necessarily just limited to actions. The tadrij is you're gonna constantly evolve within your faith. Like where your faith is now, by tomorrow it will have evolved, and all the other incidents which you're gonna experience will evolve. Your faith will con- uh, continuously evolve. And based on what you said about this, like the light bulb getting brighter, there's not an upper limit for the brightness. So mm-hmm. it's like you've already got some wherever you are. But there's always a lot more to go. And I think um, if you can, like, and one of the things that kind of comes back to that curiosity thing, can you be curious enough to just open up to where's my iman and where can it where can it go to? And we've got um, D-Max a couple of points. Should we read for his thing? Yeah. yeah I try to use this, imagining Allah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in front of me when praying. I find it makes me very conscious of how I am praying. This does not happen enough, so I tried to remember the two angles, I think he meant angels, on my shoulders, recording everything I am doing, and which angel uh, do I want recording my actions and thoughts? Quite deep, subhanAllah. So he's saying his own, uh, D-Mac was saying his own kind of tactic of how he prays and how he improves the um, consciousness of his prayer. Uh, it was a really amazing, I just remember this right now, I saw this tweet it was in Arabic um, about this guy saying, why why do our children leave the faith? Even though we taught them the Quran, but we didn't teach them tadabbur. We taught them how to pray salah, but we didn't teach them khushu. You know, You're going to have to translate tadabbur and khushu. Right? So we taught them the Quran, right? Yeah. I think how to read the Quran, the tajweed, you know, they were perfect in terms of articulation. But we didn't teach them reflection over the Quran. That's something which we thought, you know, we don't really teach that. That's like a, I think that they do themselves. And yeah. we taught them how to pray. We told them the physical actions, oh, you do this. These are the kind of commands of prayer. You need to put your hands up like this. You need to read this. Uh, you need to go, you go down like this. This is the correct posture, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't teach them the spirituality and concentration of the prayer. And then we're wondering now why... Why people aren't in tune Despite us Despite them having an Islamic education When they're younger So we're wondering now Like why this is happening When we we didn't realize What the main things were Because the main thing of Teaching the Quran Was teaching Tadabbur over the Quran you know, the I main... think th- Yeah I think this concept of main thing Becomes really important Because if we Now We've gone quite deep onto the concept Basically of Tadrij Of things coming slowly Slowly um, so now when you say something is a main thing, based on the concept of Tadrij, you would start with those main things. I think one of the problems that we have is sometimes, because we don't really understand the Tadrij thing, we start with the furu, and sometimes furu I emphasize so much, which confuses the hell out of people, and people are like, what kind of religion is this? 
and the main things which are meant <laughs> some funny rulings, rulings out there man then you have the main things which are kind of just forgotten so I, I think um, Imam Ghazali has written a book which I'm meant to be reading um, which I think I've mentioned once which is the Al-Muhawirun Khamsa the five topics of the Quran and I think that's something which um, you know does summarize the main uh, I I kind of read a bit of it here last time on the podcast once Imam okay. Ghazali book on the five topics the five main discussions of the Quran Okay. Yeah, you, you, I think you did mention it once, um, that particular book. Um, yeah, and then people, when we talk about faith, people are like, oh, people are obsessed with faith and articles of faith and in terms of aqidah, because, oh, yeah, what is your aqidah, brother? Because aqidah is the main thing. Like, oh, what is your tenets of faith? What is, what do you believe in? You know, that kind of thing. You need to articulate, state your beliefs so we can tell if you're a proper Muslim or not. That's another kind of a militant thing that the young <laughs> brothers have today. You know, this sort of thing that, you know, you're upon a different strand of belief to me. You're a Ash'ari, you're a Maturidi, you're an Athari, you're a Salafi, this and that. And that adds to another layer of what belief actually is. So we spoke a kind of about the spiritual side of belief and how belief is experienced, how belief increases and decreases in, in a spiritual sense and the ontology of belief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go without mentioning that word, but so, um, um, we didn't speak about the the, the militant aspect of it. Like how yeah, Ian's here. Ian saying, uh, Imad, by adding Habib's idea or curiosity, it's not my idea, but I guess I popularized it in about a few people. Um, I got it from Tom Chi, who's a genius, basically. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, that's where I got it from originally. Um, all of the correct practices will come. Oh, okay. So you're saying that by applying curiosity, I definitely think in terms of spirituality, curiosity is very important rather than being rigid. And I think if you've gone this, uh, what did you, how did you describe it? Militant. If you've gone this militant way, that this is my belief, I believe this. Then when you come to real life, there's that kind of like, mm-hmm. but if your life's kind of, you know, you've believed, based on what you've actually experienced, then I think it's actually like within you, it's your true belief. But if, it, if you have a militant approach, then is it really even true? I don't know if that made any sense. Interesting. And it's, it goes back to, ju- I think this militant approach actually goes back to judging people's belief. And this was really frowned upon by the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And, you know, during his life, I, I, some incidents come to mind. During the Battle of Badr, right? Uh, oh. There was this dude who was a fierce guy. He was one of the main warriors, but he was non-Muslim. And he thought, let me take place, let me take part in, in Badr. So because I'll obviously benefit them by my kind of military capabilities. And they will I will get the benefit because if they win the war, I'll get some of the beauty of war, some of the spoils of war. I'll be able to collect collect some treasures. And then the Sahaba were going to the Prophet and they're like, oh, this guy wants to fight. Yeah, let's just let him in it. You know, we've got one more person in our army. Mm-hmm. And the Prophet asked him, do you believe in Allah and that I'm the messenger of Allah? And he said, no. And this is when, you know, they were about to leave. So he said, um, and the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, you know, we don't, then we don't, you know, you're not coming. We don't need you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they were going out and they had left, you know, um, for the battlefield. 
And at this point, some of the Sahaba said, you know, maybe when the Messenger when everyone, everyone's prepared and everything, then he might change his mind and he'll see you're prepared and you're actually ready to fight. So then he'd, he'd uh, kind of allow you to go then. So then he goes and he goes to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam um, that sh- uh, should we, can I come and can I participate in the in the battle? And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, you know, do you, he asked him again, do you believe in Allah? Do you believe in me as the Messenger? And he says, no. And he said, you know, then, you know, you, you, know, you can't um, participate in the battle, battle. I just forgot the exact wording of the Arabic. And then the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, t- told him to get off. But then he continued and he, he arrived at the plains of Badr, this dude. He arrived at the plains of Badr. And whilst he was there, and the Sahaba thought, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, when he sees the opposing army and how large they are, he'll allow him to fight. And the Messenger ﷺ, he comes and he asks him for the last time. And he knew where this was going. He thought, now nah, if I say no, then kind of they're not, he's not going to allow me to fight. So he asked him, do you believe in Allah that I'm the Messenger? And he's like, yeah. And the Prophet said, okay, then you're welcome. You're, you're fighting. However, any, like if we're talking about judgment, that was ultimately, you know, if we're looking at it objectively, he only accepted Islam to fight. Objectively, we can say that, right? However, the Messenger Wasallam taught us that, look, even when it's this situation, when it's kind of obvious to everyone else that he only accepted Islam for an ulterior motive, we still, he's, he's part of the Muslim army. He's still part of the Muslims. You can't say anything and no one has the right to say anything. Even though we are in a position where it's, we judge by what is apparent and it, we can be so judgmental. Prophet said, at that point, you're not allowed to be judgmental. Later on in the Prophet's life, his own kind of a person who he treated like a, a grandson, Usama bin Zaid, he sent him off on an expedition. And he comes back and the Sahaba were of the, of the kind of, they were clean hearted and they would always relate back to the messengers of Allah, some, all the incidents that they uh, had transpired with them when they were off on their journeys, if it was good or if it was bad. So he came and he came to the messengers of Allah and he said, there was this dude that, you know, uh, he, I, was a, we, I was about to kill him. And at that point he said, la ilaha illallah. But I killed him anyway, because I knew, to, I thought in my heart, Right, that he only said that because you know he was scared and he was gonna die now because before he was fighting the believers and he killed so many people. The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa turned his face away and he said, Ashaqaqta qalba. Did you tear his heart open and check was if this belief was true or not? You know, and he said, What are you going to do when that la ilaha illallah haunts you on the day of judgment? So, you know, this is the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa teaching us that despite anyone doing anything that uh, this particular to the act of belief believing and we think oh he's believing because you know uh he wants to get married to a, a particular girl and she's not accepting and you know this happened in my extended family as well you know where people were thinking oh so and so converted to islam because they want to marry someone mm-hmm. right However, you know, I gave these incidents. And I was like, this is the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa telling you that iman is something that you are not allowed to judge. Iman is something that is between the person and Allah. So it's something that's, you know, it's, it's an experience, if you like. And you can't judge an experience. You can't, you know, you have to take a person's word for it. Even in a Muslim court, if you're in an Islamic court and if you're in a kind of Islamic environment, in, in, in the context of an Islamic state and you're a judge, 
and you know I'm interested in fiqh and I read a lot of like works of other uh, qada and qada and, and these sort of things so the judge he has to take when it comes to the matter of belief he has to take the person's word for it so if the person says I'm a believer they are entitled to the rights of of a believer you know when it comes to everything and this is the message Allah says you know he said man akala zabihatana whoever eats our meat our zabiha man istakbala qiblatana you know, whoever faces towards our qibla, فَذَلِكَ muslim Then this person is the Muslim. وَهُوَ فِي ذِمَّةِ اللَّهِ وَذِمَّةِ الرَّسُولِ And this person is in the dhimma of Allah. You know, by just kind of these minor things. They're just facing our qibla, meaning they pray with us. They eat, you know. And these are the signs of belief. You know, when we talk about belief, there's so many aspects. We spoke about the spiritual sides. We spoke about the actual thing, tenets of belief. And then another aspect of belief is this thing uh, about you know, these simple things, identifiers, the Muslim identifiers, which are praying in the Qibla towards the Qibla and eating the meat. And that's eating the meat. We spoke about eating the biha and this sort of thing and my experience of the biha in America before. <laughs> and how, how I learned, how wrong I was. How wrong I was in the beginning to have that approach and not kind of, not be, op- not actually previously I wasn't aware of that opinion, but then later on I became open to different opinions after I, I lived it. You know, and how experience is that living? How important is that living and seeing this sort of thing? So one, one question I'll ask you, because I've been doing a lot of talking. In terms of Iman, in terms of belief, and this obviously is one of those questions where you're going to say it's a difficult question, but I'm going to make you answer anyway. I'm going to ask you anyway. When a person is new to Islam, what, what should they believe in? What do they believe in? The first thing is Allah. Okay. Obviously. Um, and that's multifaceted. So there's there's going to be a few things in there which they're going to know about Allah, uh, about their relationship to Allah. So Allah's Tawheed, um, Allah's relation to them, so as in their trust on Allah, and then Allah's relation coming from a taqwa perspective, which is their kind of, like you said, the, the fear of Allah. Yeah, so that's their relation to Allah. Awareness um, of Allah existing, being real, being one, um, being the one who looks after them um, and being the one who who they are scared of. So yeah. beyond that, in terms of study, like because uh, this question comes into a lot of uh, kind of people who are new to the faith, in terms yeah. of study and in terms of like Akida, <laughs> finally oh. two, three days ago, an Islamic scholar, uh, an imam actually, you know, he said, have you read We've got, we've got about two minutes <laughs> left, by the way. Oh, do we? It's a so little time goes fast when we speak, but he's speaking about the Usul of Salata, which is a book of Akida, uh, yeah. in a particular kind of school of thought. And he was saying, Oh, have you read this book? It's really good. I was like, Yeah, I have it. I have the book. And he was like, You know, this should be taught because if people knew this, then their, their faith would be a lot better. The Akida would be strong. I'm like, But what is Akida even? Is it just kind of reading these? I believe in this, I believe in that, I believe in that. And we they miss the element of that, you know, the belief with with the heart, the action of belief, and the action of belief is quite different to the tenets of belief that you believe in, the things you believe in. So, like for example, there are certain things we believe in, and if you don't believe in them, you know, then you're not in the faith. And these are obviously the main tenets of faith that you spoke about, which is belief in Allah, belief in the finality of the messengers of Allah sent them, you know, belief in in the books that we have. And belief on the in the in the in life of the hereafter. So these are the these certain kind of um, 
uh, elements of belief that we have to believe. Then there's these secondary things, you know, where they are ex- they extracted from the um, kind of Quran and Sunnah, but they are specific. For example, I don't want to be controversial because we spoke about this before when we talk, spoke about uh, uh, eschatology, but belief in Dajjal, for example, the Dajjal, which is the Antichrist that will come before the Day of Judgment, and the return of Isa a.s. So the return of Isa a.s. obviously is in Tawatur, uh, mass transmitted, and belief in Dajjal, obviously, you know, according to me, is Tawatur, like mass transmitted. But if a person didn't believe in Dajjal, right, because of, you know, they... They were a scholar and they actually analyzed the hadith and it actually didn't make sense to them. They actually changed and they thought, you know what, it doesn't make sense to me in this sense. Uh, and it's not something that, you know, it's high up on my uh, kind of itinerary of belief. So imagine belief as being like things I, always. this is kind of oversimplifying it and it might confuse a lot of people as well. So there's certain things you have to believe in and they are the main kind of aspects of it. And there are certain secondary things like minor things that you know some people actually include it in belief right for example uh, wiping over the socks is included as a statement of belief when people see that they're like what that's nothing to do with belief it's something to do with like a practicality of fiqh of jurisprudence Mm -hmm. so why would you mention wiping of the socks as you know an item of belief and and the the reality because people objected to it. Okay, I'm going off on a tangent. So DMAC is saying is it's good to have some curiosity, but not so much that you start questioning everything. Um, and I think here that's quite important that like, when you're talking about um, your uh, beliefs here. As in like, what is it actually then? So if you're going to believe in Allah, um, I think so. The, your belief in Allah will actually get you to behave in a certain way. Yeah, and I think the two ways which actually affect your behavior would be your trust in Allah, like if you believe Allah's on your side, um, and your fear of Allah, like that Allah is watching you. Those two things, they actually affect, you know. For some people, believing in Dajjal affects their life, like they've, um, I don't know, stockpiled toothpaste or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, the, the belief that you have, it does affect the, the, the way that you have. So, again, when it comes to fundamentals, I would say Allah the messenger and the book, the Quran, and taking lessons from the Quran and you know, bringing that to life. And then obviously as soon as you come to the Quran, you come to the beliefs which the Quran kind of focuses upon. Again, the first thing is the oneness of Allah. Um, and that's such a big thing the Quran talks about. And then the Quran talks about, it uses different ways to prove that. Um, and I think the way the Quran tries to explain uh, things it appeals to the spirit. It appeals to your soul. It doesn't necessarily appeal to your physical eye. Like you don't look up into the sky and try and see Allah. It appeals the way the Quran speaks. It appeals to your spirit, not necessarily intellect as much. Of, of course, there is an intellectual um, thing, but I think it's so important to actually allow that. So DMAC, anyway. Sorry, DMAC was saying uh, too much curiosity can be a bit of a problem. I think if you're sticking to the Quran, um, there should be curiosity there. Uh, when you're learning to recite the Quran, there has to be curiosity there. When you're learning about your relationship to Allah, there's got to be curiosity. If you already think that you know everything there is to know about having a relationship with Allah, um, then I think that would be very a big cause of stagnation. I think uh, it was a very interesting thing you said about uh, kind of looking and see. Can you see belief? And I think that can be interpreted in different ways. Obviously, I'm not going to go on to kind of, you're Allah, I'm Allah. The people have said this in the past. 
and there was a whole kind of debate. We're finishing off now. Yeah, last two, last minute, last minute. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it brief. So this guy's like, "You're Allah, I'm Allah. Who's Allah?" kind of thing, and they had to kind of imprison him because of certain things he said. But I think in every aspect of life, whatever profession you're in, there are aspects where you can find Allah. For the architect, when they build buildings, if you have the intention that I'm building such a beautiful thing. Right, so when people see it, they are kind of remind it reminds them of Allah. For in the Quran, Suleiman Salam's architecture, his building of you know a glass kind of palace where the Queen of Sheba was baffled, you know, by this glass palace. This architecture, you know, reminds them of Allah. For myself, you know, in 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 the medical field, when I see certain conditions, I see cure. I see Allah there. You know, and it's interesting this hadith of the of the Messenger Sallallahu where you know the Messenger Sallallahu said, you know, uh, the the, belie- the believer asking this is a hadith of Qudsi where there's conversation between the believer and Allah and Allah saying, you know, uh, where can I find you? And Allah says, you know, when you visit the sick person, then you'll find me there. You know, it's it's finding Allah and it's more of an experience in that sense. And I think, you know, it always reminds a certain incident. I just remembered this one incident now, which I'll finish with. Is there was a student, uh, this was a couple of years ago, and he was a really, really clever uh, individual. He's quite old. He was a, a grammar school teacher, physics teacher at this really posh uh, grammar school in the countryside somewhere in the south. And he, we saw, I saw him at this district hospital that we had to, we were forced to go through, go to. It was like 40 miles away from civilization. It was a district hospital. We had to go and practice certain things. And we were just chatting to him. And we were there, obviously, for our own kind of benefit. To like, oh, yeah, can I just check your pulse? Can I do this? Can I do that? And guinea pig them. But we were speaking to the dude. And it was me and a, some, some other guy. Me, yeah, me and another uh, person from my class. So we were there, and he was speaking. He was speaking. I was saying, "Oh yeah, we asked those questions, you know, the history questions." And any medic, you know, who's watching this will know. Oh yeah, can you tell me the story? So what, what did you come in with? How long have you had this for? Blah blah blah. And he was telling us about the story how he, you know, he had this sudden pain in his stomach, and you know, he was he was having his his tea and blah blah blah, and you know, it brought him to hospital. Then he started crying, and then we were like. Obviously, we didn't like, oh, why are you crying? But we just let him finish. And he was like, I grow my own fruit. I grow my own vegetables. It's been years since I ate something out of a packet. And I was thinking shamefully, like, I had some biscuits in my pocket. And I was thinking, oh, I've got some biscuits back it. And he's like, it's been years. Look, I've taken so such good care of my health. But now, you know, I've got a, a bag where I go, in the to- go to the toilet. And, you know, he doesn't, his, he doesn't, his, you know, his, his, uh, <clears throat> excretion happens not through the normal way but he has a bag where he has to go in and he started crying and he goes is that what I did this for right and Allah that's such a reminder this guy went through so much effort to have such a healthy life and <clears throat> it still you know didn't really work out for him because it's it's the Qudra of Allah maybe that was his test and you know there was some spiritual side to that but you know things that obviously I forget I no, forgot no, let's finish it then man says um, it's just high and low. I just want to say high and low. You know, I have my lows, I have my highs. I had my low after that. You're saying curiosity, belief, and fear, all three are important. And going back to sabr and shukr, both of them, and sabr kind of coming at times of fear and shukr being at times of um, of raja, of belief, of hope. And when Sayyid's asking if you can hear Allah, we'll get to that next week. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته